0: What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, September 26, 2021, and this week's episode, Volkanovski reigns supreme, Lawler gets revenge. We'll be talking about everything UFC 266, the featherweight champion Alex Volkanovski uh, retaining his title against Brian Ortega, Valentina Shevchenko, what comes next. Robbie Lawler getting revenge on Nick Diaz and of course a lot of that fun action from the undercard. We also have plenty of MMA news, the latest with Jon Jones and some serious shakeups for UFC 267 coming up next month. And we'll finish the show by discussing the doubleheader this weekend. First, Bellator 267 and the return to London with Douglas Lima and Michael Venom Page. And, of course, the light heavyweight clash in the UFC between Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker. But, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I am joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio.
1: Hello, Double G. Welcome back from Vegas. I uh, hope you had a grand time, and... That, that you saw some good fights. <laughs> I think you did. I did. I did. Uh, you know
0: what? I will say this. International Fight Week, um, The you could feel the buzz from the fans. And I'll be honest, it was a distinctly different feel than, say, McGregor Poirier last year. You know, it did the press conference and this and that. But I think that this one was almost... I almost feel like the mcgregor fight and respectfully you know it was a great vibe too but it almost felt very corporate okay we're all here to watch the big star and all that and then when you talk about the nick diaz and the love people have for valentina and ortega it became a different kind of vibe you know people really wanted to just you know maybe with connor they were like oh yeah i'm here to root for my team whereas this one i would say there was that just bleed fan base you know they were like this is the throwback this is for us yeah we're ready yeah. for that kind of action you know what i mean
1: i hear you that makes sense
0: i mean look we could talk about a lot of it can you believe it's almost october
1: what oh, the boy. heck man i can't
0: dude like i'm st- like i'm that meme i'm still trying to process 2020 and it's about to be 2022
1: what are you going to be for halloween do you know
0: uh, you know what i'll be a you know moderately successful mma media member <laughs> something like that uh, <laughs> um I, like I also have a chef's costume i tend to rock but that's okay another story. <laughs> wow all what, right. about, what about you do you like uh, double up with joe
1: well this is you know like i haven't done halloween since my 20s and for like just for a long time and then last year um you know it was covid so we dressed him up as chewbacca and took a picture and then took him out of the costume and that was it <laughs> This year, we'll probably try and do some some kind of semblance of trick-or-treating for a 21-month-old. I don't know what that looks like, but you know we'll give it a shot.
0: I saw a really cute one once. Um, this family came by my house, and uh, it was this younger mom, but she was Red Riding Hood, and she had the baby bundled up as a little wolf. And I was oh, like, oh wow. my god, that's the cutest thing that's ever. That's so cute. Yes, uh, the Joe, you know, Joe might be getting a little big. He may not dig it, but if he sleeps a lot, you know what? Give it a go. You never know. <laughs>
1: Oh my God! I wish he slept a lot. He just likes. Well, maybe to the wolf costume me. will work. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, no, we got one actually. We got—he's the man. He's gonna be the Mandalorian. Oh,
0: that'll be cute. That'll yeah. be cool. Well, all right, Baby Yoda. Let's talk about UFC two sixty six <laughs> before we lose our followers. Yes, sir. Um, let's get it start with that featherweight title fight. I'm sorry, but wow, I—I I think I somehow, even though he's gone. 50 minutes almost an hour against max holloway i think that this might be the most exciting alexander volkanovsky performance we've ever seen i think that he just showed i think it was one thing because it's like oh he's fighting max and well max is max yeah but this one i think you really just got to see just how good volkanovsky is and just why you can't compare the apples to oranges with him and Max, and you would really got to just appreciate Volkanovski for the fighter he is as opposed to just those individual matchups with the former champion. I thought that his ability to just get in the face and neutralize the reach of Brian Ortega. And um, I got to get out to the cage live, so I had to rewatch it to get some of the commentary, but... All of these stand switches and the shutters st- you know, he did like that little stutter step. And he always, yeah. he always came forward with something different. He'd go to the body, he'd work some kicks, faint, faint, faint. And Brian Ortega just did not know how to deal with it. And Volkanovsky, his shot selection, he got over the top of the jab several times. And you could tell that was starting to accumulate on Brian Ortega um we could i mean that third round i mean we could talk about that that might be one of the most exciting rounds and i'm aware that we also got marab and Morais about an hour earlier hour and a half but i you know volkanovsky talked to us and he was like oh i how deep was it that was he said you know expletive like that was effing i'm about to lose my belt deep wow and yes and he said honestly i had told myself i'm not gonna go out so he said, in, he said I, in the moment, I just told myself, I ain't going to tap. He's going to have to put me out. So I told myself I was just going to keep trying to squirm for space until, uh, until he got it. And he said, and I got out of it. But he did admit, it's like, I was ready to just keep squirming until he put me out. I, was, I just told wow. myself I wasn't going to tap. So that's gangster. And um, he almost, I thought Brian, I, we could talk about it. Brian Ortega maybe shouldn't have gotten up for the fourth round but he finishes the last 10 minutes like a warrior but uh yeah i've said enough what are your thoughts on volkanovsky's performance
1: it was incredible it was the best i i I feel like i've seen him as well and just the stamina the strength the power in the punches you know the strategy he's he's got intelligence in the ring you know the fight iq something that i think brian ortega is still working on he's almost too instinctual in a way where it's just like you know you hurt me and now I'm just going to keep trying to fight you without strategy without observing your tendencies without you know using all the things I'm training for it's just he, he kind of just gets stuck in in like a tunnel and doesn't uh, you know, doesn't respond to the to the offense. It's more like he's just trying to come up with his own offense. and it, it doesn't work for him. He looked great against Korean Zombie, right? That's what we were all expecting to see again. But that, Brian Ortega, was, was gone. The guy in the cool karate stance that was, you know, slick, countering, great offense. You know, I think it was DC who recalled Volkanovsky telling him, you're not gonna see that Brian Ortega against me that you saw with Zombie because I move around a lot. Zombie's flat-footed. And that's exactly what happened. Ortega couldn't, didn't have any answers, any real answers on the feet for, for Volkanovski. And then when he did get that submission, get that choke, that guillotine choke on him, I, I'm, it's, it's cool to hear your story, your, 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 your account of what Volkanovski told you guys because his scalp was purple. Like, he was, he was going. So his corroboration of that is is um, is good because I was like, how the heck did Volkanovski get out of that? And he was just willing to go out. And so yeah, he was squirming, he was kicking his legs. I guess Ortega just got tired of squeezing and kind of just let go. It was strange. Uh, that attempt, the triangle attempt, also it was in and it seemed like maybe Ortega just couldn't hold the, the, the submission any longer and had to just release and then when you see him there on the canvas at the end of that round three, just spent, just done. Like, I was surprised that the ref, I think it was Herb Dean, didn't call it right there. You you, you alluded to that. Because to me, it's like, if you can't get up, you're done. Like, that's it. And there's, there's you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fair. You're out. You're done. So his corner didn't ask him if he was willing to go back out. The You know, Herb Dean was looking at him and, they were checking his eyes before the next round, and he didn't give a very convincing answer about whether he could see or not. He said, yeah, I think, uh, I guess, and, you know, that that was all it took. So Brian Ortega has taken a really severe beating from Max Holloway, and he took an even worse beating from Alexander Volkanovsky because especially those shots in four and five where he, well, Ortega's on his back, Volkanovsky's standing over him and just, throwing punches and punches that's just like a big brother beating up his little brother like that that was hard to watch a little bit and I, you know it's, it's a, probably a tough pill to swallow for brian ortega so we'll Dude. see what he um we'll see who his next opponent's going to be but but what it really did show us is that Volkanovski is is a superior fighter
0: Yeah, it's so weird, because you see, obviously, some fights, it feels like, you know, they're stopped prematurely, right? And we're like, come Mm -hmm. on, he wasn't out, and there's a few, and then you get a few, like, uh, you know, Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren, and then Glover Teixeira, Anthony Smith, and some of them, it's like, well, why are you letting this go, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. that was one of those for me, like, when he just, and I will say, when I watch the replay back, it looked like he just kind of collapsed after that third round. Like, he stays on the mat, and then he drops his hands flat on the mat. And and I was like, this guy's done. And then I see him visibly, deep breath. And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. you know what? If I took a beating, I'd pre- even if I'm in the fight, I'd probably stay down there an extra second too. He didn't. Yeah. No- he had to. Look, he-, he hears his guys right there. He was in his own corner. But, um... Uh before we talk about the future, and I think it's pretty straightforward, that purge walkout by Brian Ortega. Oh <laughs> dude, I was there live. I kid you not, the hair on my arms started standing up. I was like, you know, we've seen this a few times. I know for example Logan Paul did it and I was there for the fight with KSI. I know someone else has done it on TV or or Bellator, something like that. And then you see the lights for the UFC, and then obviously I, you probably agree with me when you see them come out with the masks mm-hmm. and the red light, and they're bathed in the red light. And I was like, "Holy! That's how you do that walkout." Yeah,
1: and the horn horn is walkout. Blaring, you know, the countdown horn. Oh. Yes,
0: that's how you do the purge walkout. I don't want to. If you aren't willing to commit to it that much, don't try it. I think he. I'll put, I'll just say it. I know that's a bit of recency bias, probably like top 5 walkouts ever for UFC. And that's it was like
1: pretty
0: yeah. I, I'll say this, I felt more excited about that than I did about Adesanya's choreographed walkout. Oh yeah,
1: like the,
0: sure. Just the vibe. I think Brian nailed it. Um they can't give him a round for winning the walkout, but if they did, he would have got a 10-8. I'll give him that. Um
1: I thought it was it was incredible, but you know what, man? I was thinking like should have when I saw that I thought that's very cool all the feelings that you had but I thought man how much time did you spend planning that like that just seems like a little bit of a waste of time a little bit of a waste of energy I know I'm being a a, a party pooper here but it's like man maybe you should have spent more time fine-tuning but <laughs> after <laughs> watching of, that then, fight I don't think it would
0: have helped but okay
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I think about it it's like I don't think that would have gotten that guillotine done but you know, I'll agree to disagree with you. I think it was worth it. I I will say this: he knew that crowd was there for Brian. My goodness, I don't. Yeah. I think I don't think outside of Dan Hooker and Behrman was anyone cheering for Volkanovski. It was horrible. But um, uh, let's talk about the future. Uh, they've confirmed that mid-November, uh, the fight with Max and Yair is official. I guess they were still in that negotiating period. Um, we've talked about it, Zabit has been kind of removed. He's been removed from the picture. And with Giga, Chikatsi still on the way up and just the state of the division. I don't like that. It feels like they're just trying to do Max and Alex. It's like, well, he already won two out of three and it's like, well, it's Max Holloway. Let's go three out of five. And I'm like, no, you know, this will be, you know, three fights after two wins in, you know, three years. Right. However, Even Volk said it is like, look, we're going to get paid a ton of money. I respect him as a warrior. I respect that he's out there trying to earn it and show he's still the number one guy. So if Max beats Yair, all right, let's do it again. If Yair beats Max, I will say, one, obviously that would be huge for Yair. But two, I I don't mind some fresh blood up there. You know, it's going to be kind of nice to see that status quo broken a bit. I know Volkanovski said he wants to stay busy. Maybe he'd take a lightweight fight, not necessarily a lightweight championship to stay busy. However, month and a half, I mean, it's going to be October in about, what, six days? I don't see uh, Alex, uh, I see the schedules kind of lining up unless uh, Max and Yair really injure themselves. I see them being able to line up perfectly with the schedule, so I don't think it's gonna make sense to see Volkanovski fight someone else before he fights Alex or Yair or uh, Max or Yair.
1: Yeah, all of that makes sense. Yes, you know Max already fought him twice, but the second one, you know, there's different opinions on the outcome. Although it doesn't matter what you think, it matters what the judges think. And so, so okay, Max or uh, Alex won two out of two. Um, yeah, Yair would be fresh blood. You make all the great points, Um, but it's just, you know, that's just where the division is right now. Like, Max is still a top dog, you know. The way he fought Calvin Cater, that was supremely impressive. Volkanovski says, I'm not, you know, Calvin Cater isn't me, and, you know, let him try that against me. But I think that's just, it is what it is. Like, Brian Ortega was next in line. He got his shot. We all saw what happened, and now it's just the next two guys and let's go, you know, sometimes the division gets a little, uh, repetitive, but you just got to see it through to the end. And then, and then fresh blood always comes through. I mean, it,
0: and like I said, I mean, if we had Zabit still in the picture, which I think a lot of people expected and it's just unexpected. expected, it, it was just so unexpected to hear him saying, you know, he, he's done. Um, or at least the talk of it. But to me, it's just, um, you know, like I said, uh, there's really nobody outside of those four with Alex, Max, Brian, and Yair. And I know Yair, I think the most frustrating thing is his inconsistent schedule. And that's been tough. But um, yeah, I think that's just the featherweight division in a nutshell. Um, we could harp on that a lot more, of course. Obviously, there are great fights coming up for Alex and Max either way and Yair. But uh, co-main event, um, I think the only way I could sum it up is that when Valentina Shevchenko is in that zone, there's she's just in her own world that very few people ever inhabit. And really, the only one who's really been able to hang with her in that zone is Amanda Nunes with a big weight advantage. Valentina just managed the distance well. I think she fought a very efficient fight, if not the most exciting. You know, she kind of just did her thing. And it felt like she was focusing more on not making mistakes. And then, of course, I believe it was the fourth round. Finally, just connects on the uh, uh, was it the body? Was it the, the right kick? hook? Uh, I thought okay, yeah, the right hook, and then she lands the head kick, and then it was like the shark that smells that the seal mm-hmm. is bleeding just went after it. And I, I almost felt like she was gonna blow her arms out, but it's Valentina. I shouldn't have yeah. thought she would make a mistake like that, and she just really followed Lauren for the finish. Lauren Murphy, I I would imagine the game plan was probably in every sequence involved, getting her to the fence, closing that distance, really using her physicality. And once again, it it was just Valentina's counter-striking, her speed, her ability to just outmaneuver Lauren. I don't think Lauren ever got to the position she was trying to get to to implement her offense. I think everything was probably predicated on, I'm going to maybe walk in through the fire a bit, but I'm going to tire up a little. She just never got there. And I think that's what you saw out of uh, Lauren Murphy. She just struggled with that. I saw Lauren's message. She just essentially said as much as said, you know what, Um, I knew I was losing. I told my corner, you know, I don't need to be told I'm losing. Let's keep it positive and give me some, you know, pointers. And that was just it. She admitted that she was just in there with a better fighter. Uh, thoughts on her performance?
1: Well, yes. I mean, it it was pretty plain, plain as day. Valentina Shevchenko, we knew she was the superior martial artist going into this card, right? Like, she's probably better than most of the people that fought yesterday at UFC 266. She's just that darn good. But Lauren Murphy earned her title shot, and she has a lot of you know, significant attributes that you know obviously got her to that position and that would pose some kinds of challenges or some kinds of opportunities for an opening, right? And what happened was that we didn't see any of that Lauren Murphy uh, you know, fighter that that got her to, to this to that night yesterday. She just kinda got frozen by the moment, frozen by The power, I mean, you could see when she got kicked in the body, when she got kicked in the leg, like, she's probably thinking, oh, this hurt more than I thought it would, you know. And and what's interesting about Shevchenko is when she's in the cage with you, it's almost like she's offended that you think you have a chance to beat her because when she throws a kick, when she throws a punch, especially that combination she likes to do, left-right kick, you know, left-hand, right-hand kick, she's just so angry about it. Like, she's just like, blah. And if you go watch the replay of the finish – I mean, she's got her mouth open, she's screaming like a warrior, like she's just, <laughs> she's just pure intensity when she's in there, and it's it's really amazing to watch, and so then I go back and think, okay, Lauren Murphy, what must it look like to be in your shorts in the cage with that coming at you, probably very intimidating despite all your training and preparation. You know, she got nullified. She kind of froze and could never do anything but stand there and dodge a punch and take three, throw a punch. Not very, not usually land. I don't think she landed. I don't know what the numbers are, but I think she landed very little. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Lauren Murphy's message because I was bothered, put off by her cornering advice, especially from her husband. You know, DC mentioned it too, like. It, none of it was um, helpful, it, there was no urgency there, telling her she's doing a great job that's just lying to her, and so okay, if, if that's what she wanted them to say to just keep it positive, okay, that changes my perspective on it, but something about being in that position, a championship fight, I almost feel like you need someone to to, to shake you up and tell you, no, like you have a chance, but you gotta do this, and you gotta do that, and you're losing badly right now, like I don't know if staying positive was the right strategy you know it may have seemed like it would have been but I think a little you know Mick uh, shouting in Rocky's ear kind of uh, pep talk could have served her well and they're going to go back and watch this fight and and see how they all looked and sounded as a team and maybe they'll decide that that this wasn't the right approach to take but Look, she got her title shot. Like we said last time, this is probably, or at least I, I felt this is probably going to be her only shot. And so, you know, it is what it is. You, you did the best you could in the moment, not necessarily the best you are capable of doing. But you know, you had your shot, and you just have to move on with your life and be happy that you had the chance to share the cage with one of the greatest.
0: I mean, that almost sounds like a blessing and a curse, respectfully. It but is, um... it is yeah who is. that's uh, who
1: com- Valentina is and in that division like
0: completely yeah, I completely get where you're coming from um I think the easiest way I could say it it reminded me a little bit of um one time I was watching I forget who he was taking on but it was something like with uh Lomachenko and the guy the commentator he was clearly undermatched he was up against somebody who shouldn't have been in there with him and the commentator said as the guy's getting dominated right about now he's realizing that everything they told they told me about him is true and i think that that's a lauren murphy is like i think mm-hmm. she had that moment where it was like no really she really is that she's that woman you know what i mean yeah um, which sets it up, I mean, let's look at the rankings. Uh she's beaten everyone in the top five except for Cynthia Calvio, who is now coming off a loss. I expect her to possibly even get bumped down over JoJo Calderwood, uh, when the rankings get updated that week or this week, you know. Um When I look at it, I see JoJo and it feels like, you know, She had two title eliminators, right? She locked it in. She stayed busy, lost to Jennifer Maya, lost to Lauren Murphy. And then Alexa, she's just kind of at least looks like something fresh, some new blood there at Flyweight, right? And I think Mm -hmm. the rest of the girls, you know, when you look at it, there's still just a lot of jostling for position when you look at those girls who are about 6 through 15 I don't think that, you know, one stands out just yet. So I would say, look, if she's if it's not going to be the Amanda Nunes rematch, which I'm sure we'll discuss if nothing is booked by the time Amanda rolls around, then I don't see why. If we're just lining the next one up, I don't see how it's not the winner of JoJo and Alexa. It's just by the numbers. It's just right there. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, this is the division where, like, you literally aren't trying to do MMA math. It's just regular math, I guess. It's just, Mm -hmm. like, who's literally who's next? Not who's a bigger name, not who has more, you know, uh, who has the best trash talk, not who had the best knockout or best win. It's, like, literally who hasn't she already beat down and who's, and, and subsequently who's next? And that's it. It's pretty easy to, to book a fight for her. So it's up to the UFC to decide if they want to um, put her in a big a bigger fight, which would be only with Amanda Nunes, or to let her keep rolling along, uh, cementing her, her legacy, maybe get that seventh win and then put her in with Nunes because then she'll have surpassed Ronda Rousey's record. Um, that, that probably makes sense. So maybe they'll give her one more and then do the Nunes thing.
0: I mean... I'll say this. I think it's also partially Amanda Nunes now because it's like, look, you know, just just say either you want it or you don't want it. And let's just move on, because I think this song and dance, if anything, to me, it's almost now a little more like, no, really, ladies, you kind of either do it or say it's just never going to happen. Because by now it's like, no, really, what, what are you guys more preoccupied with? um nick diaz robbie lawler the people's main event to me that was my phone falling sorry but um robbie lawler just impressive i think i'll say this so since we spoke i mean it came out they wanted to do it nick wanted it at middleweight robbie's like whatever let's just throw down and i will say robbie lawler looked just in so much better shape and I, i always felt like the second they talked about that i was like Robbie Lawler's got this. And I i was worried, you know, if Robbie doesn't, isn't able to throw as many kicks, will he struggle with the boxing of Nick? But after that happened, I was like, this is a sign of something not positive because he didn't ask for 175. He didn't ask for 180. It's Tuesday afternoon and he's asking like for to blow it up at 15 pounds extra. And I'm like, are you even trying? Are you Trying to throw your muscle around and be like, I don't want it to cut that weight. Let me just let it go. I don't know, but um, as soon as that happened, I was like, I think this is going to go Robbie's way. I was impressed with Nick's output. However, I will say that he certainly did not look like the guy I remember taking on BJ Penn. The guy who even took the same approach against Carlos Condit. And I'm aware he lost that fight, but... I felt like Nick really just was trying to throw a lot of volume, but it almost felt like he didn't put the he didn't put the pepper on those shots where he actually had Robbie clean. Robbie was Perry Perry Perry, kept walking Nick down, making him feel that pressure. And usually Nick, you know, because of his volume, he sometimes neutralizes guys like that. And I even felt like he was making Robbie have to defend a lot in that guard right there, but when Nick really wasn't able to get Robbie's respect, I think the only thing was, is Robbie going to catch him before he gets tired? Because they put on a frenetic pace. Yes, that first round was fun, but the more the fight went and the fresher Robbie looked, I was like, I think he's going to get this one. And of course, he eventually did. He cracked. He got Nick with a few good shots that Nick took well, but you could see he was starting to hurt the nose and We'll talk about the finish. I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about the fight cuz obviously a lot of people, yes, it was very exciting. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every year. Seeing Nick out there, yes, it was an experience too.
1: Yeah, a great experience and for someone who came along later in life to MMA, it's it's great to see that, you know, Nick Diaz back in the cage. You know, I did see him when he fought Anderson Silva, but that was even that was a different Nick Diaz. Like the You know, I won't say sassy, but the guy had a little more, you know, spunk to him even back then. So I'm not sure in his mind, his, you know, his idea, his notion of fighting in the cage again, like where he was mentally. But to me, as I see him walking out to the cage, as I see him almost walk into the cage with his shirt on, I'm thinking like, do you want to be here? Are you just do you just want to get this over with? Like, I couldn't read the, the blank face i I didn't know what to 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 think about it you know and then the the weight changed that one stumped me the way it did to you i'm thinking like is this gamesmanship like were you just never going to try to lose the weight or did you not know what weight you were supposed to compete at is this like a you know uh did you not know the fight
0: was gonna be five rounds and it was gonna be three rounds instead of five
1: (laughs) exactly and so that was very very bizarre. I thought, okay, did you change, ask for a weight change because maybe you didn't want to fight and you thought Robbie would say no, or did you do it because you just didn't want to didn't want to cut weight? I mean, obviously you weren't probably close to making weight if you if you that few that close to the fight you wanted to change the uh, the weight. So it was it was a little bit strange, but okay, we get to the day and then I'm looking at him. He looks very like reluctant to be in the cage. But I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's just nerves, you know, it's been a long time, there's been COVID and all this stuff, and it's, it's basically brand new for you, Nick Diaz. Um, he throws that, like, spinning kick at the beginning, and, and then he, he kind of pays the price for it, right? Like, Robbie Lauder, freshes can be on his feet, you know, super, super in shape. Great offense, and then like halfway through the fight, uh, the first round, you see Nick Diaz kind of like wake up. I think the adrenaline, you know, he shook off the adrenaline dump and was was finally focused. And so then you see the boxing that you wanted to see. But even still, it didn't seem like he was having any bit of fun at all. Like not for a second. There wasn't any of the taunting, which you don't need to see a replication of the of the original fight, but that's like the Nick Diaz that people know, right? The guy with attitude, the guy that's like, hey, man, you know, let's go, let's fight. Now, he was game. He was giving as good as he was getting, but it's just almost like he was just on autopilot. Like, he was just doing what he had to do because he was in a cage, and that's what you do when you're in a cage. It didn't seem like he was there because he wanted to beat up his opponent, you know. And, okay, you know, it is what it is. He says something interesting in his post-fight interview, which we can get into after, but, but that was my general... View of it, it was a little strange. He seemed reluctant to be there, but he did what he had to do. And you know, it wasn't enough against Robbie Lawler, but he did what he had to do.
0: Yeah, I think that the Brett Okamoto interview. I'll be honest, it was hard to follow. Um, Nick, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes it's a little tough to follow those interviews and digest them. But I did get the gist of it, and I saw those quotes. You know, he he doesn't really enjoy the process and he's talked about his struggles with the media and all that. And I do believe that's very genuine. I don't think he's trying to get out of it. I think that, um, you know what, that's just his thing. He's not really good. He's in a way, uh, Hannah cyphers who absolutely hates Mm. doing the interviews. Yeah. And you know, it's usually pretty, you know, very, very chill. I think that Nick just manifests a lot of that same energy in a different way. That makes sense um but yeah uh i think the biggest thing very uncharacteristic for nick the taunting was one i thought at a certain point it's like you know i'm not a fan of it if i feel like it's taken away from your ability to more effectively or efficiently win a fight but at a certain point in there i was like you know this actually wouldn't be a bad time for you to try it just to mess with robbie you know i think it, it would actually break up that rhythm a little bit that he was losing but I do think that was his respect for Robbie. I think he knew that it's like, nah, I'm, I'm, up, I'm in there with a different version of this animal that I took mm-hmm. on nearly 20 years ago, which is obviously one of the most impressive parts of the fight. I, on the finish, you know, I know it was, it was essentially the same thing that Robbie did to Rory McDonald in the, the epic one. Yeah. He just connects on a shot. I think to me, the crazy thing about it was you felt like Nick could keep fighting yeah. And I was like, all right, he's down, he's hurt. Oh, well, he's got his wits about him. He doesn't look groggy. I felt like the eyes, I've seen people with less focused eyes get back up. <laughs> and, it. I, you know, it looked like the ref was like, you know, like, Nick, you're going to get up. And I felt like I saw his hand say, nah, bro. No, yeah, like, he what? was just like, no. And, and in my mind, I was like, he quit? What? Yeah, that yeah. is the most un-Nick Diaz thing, right? I mean... Yeah. But look, I mean, respect to Robbie, he, he did that to this Nick Diaz. And I think we could go on and on about should he have taken the fight? Why is he fighting? Should he have been fighting? Um, He got out there. He took the fight and he threw punches and he stayed in there. But if he felt like, you know what? No, I, I've had enough. I don't want to. I do not want this to go on. I don't want to keep fighting this man ahead of me. Who is a yeah. legend himself, one of the most savage fighters in UFC history? Um, I think that just says everything you need to know. Could I see him fight again? I don't know. Uh, I'll say this: I, uh, he's only going to take fights like BMF title kind of stuff. Nick, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see him having a road to Usman. I really don't want to see him fight the Leon Edwards, the Colbys, the Gilbert Burns of no. the division. Or at middleweight, if I'm being honest, I think that uh, I will say this. Years later, I felt like even at 185 when he fought Anderson, he looked better, you know. So I felt like physically, I don't know how the discipline. I don't know if it was there, uh, during camp in terms of his weight management. But um, yeah, that's just how I felt about it. I I, I don't know if I want to see him if it's not against somebody else who's just gonna put on a show. I think putting him in there to get "quote unquote" important fights isn't gonna help him. And then Robbie, just give him another banger. Mike Perry, Matt Brown, Nico Price, uh, pick somebody. Uh, Just give me some blood and violence. I'll be good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Robbie, just let Robbie be Robbie. Let him fight whoever's gonna, you know, play. Whoever's gonna dance the same dance, right? That's what he wants to do. He wants to get out there and fight. He doesn't want someone that's going to be strategizing and trying to take him down and holding him down. Like, no, no, no. Rod wants to bang. Nick Diaz, maybe that's what he used to like to do, but now, whatever, man. He's, he's on his own path and he came back, and we should be lucky to be able to have seen him. Um, but yeah, the whole thing in the post fight interview, man, about the, you know, I don't even know how I got here, something with my management. Like, do you have any insight there? Is that. What's the story with that? Did he really not fully agree to come back?
0: I mean, uh, clearly he did, otherwise he wouldn't have showed up. But I think that he, I got the impression. Were you convinced into doing this when you didn't want to? Because that's concerning. Yeah. However, I'll be honest. Because it's Nick, I had that like the meme, like they had him in the post fight interview. Interview, and it's like, record scratch, freeze frame. Hey. You're probably wondering how I got here, huh? (laughs) That's what I felt like watching, listening to that. It's like, what? I don't know. I don't have insight. But like I said, now we all want to know, why did you come back? Did you need the money? Because I almost feel it's like, I almost just say that because I think everyone would have felt better about it in a way. Because at least I know there's a bit of that guilt there. But at least it's like, okay, well, you know what? Go get get that bag then, Nick. But... I don't know. Um, look, we got some important news, so I'm going to fly through it. But the undercard, uh, Marab Dvalishvili. That was epic with Marlon Moraes. I thought he was done. I thought Marlon was one more touch on the chin and we're going to have an epic KO and Marlon's going to be like, you know, the epic return. Yeah. And Marab shuts him down. It was like the Henry Cejudo fight, just more con- condensed. Epic performance. Um, Dan Hooker and Nazareth Hackparas, both of them had visa issues. Both of them got there like Thursday night, weighed in perfectly Friday morning. Dan Hooker, I love this story. He said, the way it works in New Zealand, you have to get an appointment to schedule your travel. Like, because you got a quarantine and all that. So he said, Mm -hmm. I had to fight on this in this window otherwise i won't be able to fight for another couple months it's like winning the lottery to get those visas right now with covid in new zealand so he said what he started doing i just started doing a ton of interviews talking about how i'm gonna fight at ufc 266 even though i had nothing he said to the point sean shelby called and said dan i don't have a spot for you at ufc 266 and he said he essentially told sean shelby he said sean I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going (sighs) to fight at UFC 266. Like, this needs to happen. And he said, Nasrat slid in the DMs and Dan Hooker was like, it's on, mate. Let's do it. And I was like, you know what? That is some... Sometimes you got to just get out there and do what you got to do. So I just love Dan Hooker a lot more. I mean, he's always been a fun fighter, but my man, that's the kind of energy I could get behind. You know what I mean? So, Dude, that's con-
1: crazy. Yeah.
0: Right? that That's getting the job done. And then uh, um, Chris Dacus, great knockout, knocked the guy out twice, essentially. Jessica Andrade brought the violence. Anybody you want to shout out before we move on to the news?
1: Um, oh, boy. Uh, Jessica Andrade, yeah. You know, she's, um, everyone looks great until they face Valentina Shevchenko. And then once they go back to a normal level of competition, they can look amazing again. So that's what she did. And she looked great, you know. I'm I'm rooting for Calvio. I was rooting for Calvio on that one, but um, it's just the power, the power of of, of Andrage, the the physique. That's tough to beat unless you're you know who. Now going back to uh, Dan Hooker, that story is incredible. It's ridiculous that that's what's happening right now. What do you know about the? Adesanya moving to the U.S., all that stuff. I know Dan Herku was talking a lot about the, the situation over there in New Zealand.
0: They said essentially um, they felt a little Adesanya got behind him because it's like we these are professional athletes representing the country. And respectfully, allowances are made for other varying levels of celebrities and public figures Why are you not treating Dan Hooker? Why is he being treated like a second-class citizen when he's out there? Clearly, you know, it's almost like good PR for New Zealand. So that's why Adesanya was like, I'm never going to fight in New Zealand. Look what they're doing to my buddy Dan Hooker, which I like that energy too, by the way. And so it's like, look, we're considering moving to the US just because we can't take fights at a consistent schedule because... We have to win the lottery to get the visas, and then we have to hope we actually fight on the date. Because remember, Nasrat was having issues. Imagine Dan Hooker goes through all this and he doesn't fight, it would have been horrible. So, yeah, uh, that's essentially what they're talking about is that, like, you know, we're considering setting up shop in the U.S. for a while just because the guys, this is how they make their living. Not everybody is on the cover of USC4, so they really need just a consistent schedule to make their living and take care of their family
1: that's unreal but yeah you gotta do what you gotta do wow
0: okay natalie i would love to tell you that was all that happened this week and so i'm gonna rewind it it is thursday night and we're talking to everybody on the red carpet it was mostly scrums which kind of broke my heart because you know i love getting on camera and (laughs) doing i feel like that's where i do my best work but you know we're scrumming gsp was fantastic to see in person and just honor and just get his thoughts on everything uh mark coleman boss rudin um, we get to listen to the wife of the late kevin randleman and she made sure you knew who this man was mm. and then john jones and let me tell you something we were talking about how he wants to get up to 270 pounds how it seems like UFC is ready to revisit talking to him after Nganu and Ngann. Gone. He said UFC is just letting me do my thing and then we're gonna talk again. He didn't give us any details and he's smiling. He's at the ceremony, his daughter is sitting on his lap while Jeez. the other guys are he was like the second awarders somewhere in that zone, and then he's listening to the rest with his family. And then we wake up the next morning. He was arrested at 545 for domestic violence and vehicular damage. Um, uh, Less than 12 hours since he was um, honored. The ceremony where we all saw him ended about 10 p.m. So, you know, do the math. That's only how many hours to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, we haven't been made aware of a lot of the details, but... Uh, he's no stranger to causing problems, but it, this is a different kind of allegation. This isn't he was partying and he got drunk and he's shooting his gun into the air. Um, I am aware that he had the incident years ago with um you know he hit the woman and she was pregnant and uh, the the details are muddled he caused the miscarriage or she'd recently had one but they ran with a different headline but the fact is he did get into a car accident with somebody else in their car but now when you talk about something like domestic violence and once again he's owed his due process that is how it works for everybody uh good bad and ourselves included but an allegation like that is i don't know what to really say about that other than that after seeing him with his family less than 12 hours later and you're doing that, like your family was there with you to honor this special moment and this happens hours later, it makes me very uncomfortable. And um, what I will say about the UFC and what does this mean, I think UFC has proven in the last year and in the last half decade overall, if we have John Jones, great. If we don't, we're ready to move on without him, quite honestly, and we've proven we could do it before. And so, if he's around to fight the winner and this and that, okay, let's do it. If not, I don't know. I mean, clearly we know. Well, we know. There's Stipe Miosic, Cyril, Gone, Chris docus Tom Aspinall, guys moving up the rankings, and that'll be the end of that.
1: Whew. Yeah, the UFC does not need to, uh, John Jones. Like, it's it's already clear he's. He vacated the belt. They're like, okay, we'll have another competition for it and move on. Fine. You want to fight at heavyweight? Okay, sure, you can say that, but it's going to be on our terms and not for all this crazy money that you want. And if you're not willing to compromise or bend to our will, then you're not going to fight, and he hasn't fought. And he keeps you know, poking his nose out through social media, showing us how, you know, what gains he's making, and you know, jabbing at people here and there. Okay, fine, but then he gets this moment to to, as you say, be honored for that fight, and um, has a chance to tell everyone how he's doing, what how he, he's weighing, and get people excited. Like, you know, if the UFC, like, the, it it just it was sort of lining up very very perfectly. You get to see him. We're we're acknowledging this great moment that he had. You get to see that he's taking this seriously, this move up to heavyweight. He looks big. He looks great, whatever. And, you know, it's a perfect segue for the UFC to come in a few months later and say, we've we've booked this fight, John Jones. And he just sunk his own ship again. And, like, is anyone surprised? I'm not. I don't think. I can't. I mean, I I understand from your perspective that it's extra weird seeing him with his family and then to find out that that's the issue that caused him to be arrested is violence against someone in his family. But it's like, not surprise, bro. Like, this person has proven time and time again that despite their talents, their accomplishments in in the sport of MMA, their riches, like, they just can't separate themselves from this, you know, voice in their head that has them do bad things, I guess is how I'll put it. And, you know, Dana White said, like, (laughs) we can't bring this guy to Vegas because every time he comes here, he has something like this happen. He has a lot of demons, and like demons, call him whatever you want, but it's not surprising. And 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 in the same breath, it's disappointing because it's like, come on, man, get your act together. But there's no act to get together. Like this is just who he is, and so I think the UFC should just move on. Like just stop talking about him. Let him figure out his own problem, uh, you know, his legal problem, and then. Move on with the heavyweight division, as you pointed out. There's plenty of of uh, you know competition there, plenty of big names. UFC doesn't need them, and like, why should the fans keep getting disappointed time and time again and frustrated? There's just no payoff. Move on.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna just leave it as obviously you know they'll address that legally and the punishment or where just the the results in the court of law and that one. I will just leave it at wait and see. Um, Quick notes, UFC 267 is taking a bit of a hit. So it's been reported Aljamain Sterling is out of the fight with Peter Jan. Mirab Duvalishvili, who's, you know, Aljo's brother from another mother, really. um, He was saying it might be fake news. I think that Aljo is trying to get some doctors possibly to... One says no, one says Yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but I will err on the fact that he was coming back too soon from a neck injury, and they're saying he's out of the fight essentially a month from now with Peter Jan. Ariel Helwani reports that the front runner is Corey Sanhagen. Now you'll remember, Corey obviously lost the razor close one to TJ Dillashaw, but TJ Dillashaw needed surgery after the fight with Corey, and it looks like they liked that fight as opposed to saying Rob Font versus Peter Yan. Um, the point being, it's an interim title fight. They want to still keep Jan on the card in October. Um, do you like Corey Sanhagen? If that's how this is going to play out, yes or no?
1: Yes, yes. He's he's excellent. It would be a a really great matchup. Size difference, power difference, skill level difference. Like, just you know, power versus flow. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on board for that. Let's do it.
0: Fantastic, in my opinion, too. Um, it will create a little bit of drama because, obviously, Corey's lost to both Aljo and TJ. And it's like, well, here we go. But um, I think if you're Peter Yan, you know what? That's one of the best things, you, one of the best fights you could get because you obviously want to sweep the board, right? So it's a great fight for Peter. And like you said, the dynamic is very different. On a month's notice, I think the only advantage is that Peter at least has been staying in shape. Corey, obviously, you know... Peter Jan's a tough guy to prepare for with a full camp. And now with this short notice. And it was weird, by the way. We were scheduled to see him on Friday. And then they let us know that afternoon he uh, wasn't going to make it. And we saw him walking around the Apex and stuff during Contender Series on Tuesday. So whatever happened, happened quickly. Mm.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Quick note. It looks like Rafael Dos Anjos is out of his fight with Islam Mahachev on the undercard. They are going to try to find a replacement for Islam, but this is the third time it got canceled. Do you think that he talks with Habib for advice on how to handle your fight getting canceled multiple times in a row? <laughs> like, I do you
1: mean, think
0: Habib might have experience in this department?
1: He's the right man to talk to, that's for sure. So, it so. couldn't happen to a, a better he, guy. <laughs> he
0: has the support he needs. Yep, exactly. Um, You know what? Uh Uh, Honestly, I don't even know with Islam, just to look at it real quick. Uh, If you can make a Benil Daryush fight, that would be awesome. However, I think they're both Ali Abdelaziz, Dominance MMA guys, so I don't know if that'll happen. I don't like Tony Ferguson coming off uh, two, three losses in a row for Islam. You know what? If it's not Benil, you know what? Let's reward Dan Hooker. Hooker versus Islam. Why not?
1: Why not? I mean when would this be for um... in
0: about a month
1: well he better stay here right
0: (laughs) i mean they're at the raider game right now apparently (laughs) they posted a picture alex and eugene bearman and hooker and it's nice so
1: that's hilarious
0: Uh, sorry kids dad's gotta stay home in vegas i know that's
1: so crazy but okay (laughs) yeah
0: anyway I, i i hope they find replacements and i hope it they end up because it's a very really nice card and I, I know they want to put it on network TV which would be cool so but yeah obviously it takes a few hits just a month out uh, the next one um, obviously we have some uh, fights to preview first off Bellator returns to the UK and there we, we've we mentioned it it's a uh, very well set up for their local guy Michael Venom Page taking on former champion Douglas Lima. You'll remember they fought about two years ago. Lima took away the O from MVP and landed one of the best uppercuts. Just a very clean Masvidal-esque fall for MVP in that knockout. Um, And now, MVP hasn't exactly fought, guys, at the level of Lima. Then again, Lima, people wonder, is he slowing down after that loss to... uh, um, Yaroslav Amosov, and of course, trying to move up to middleweight to take on Gego Musasi. I don't know. I like it stylistically. They're both going to try to use heavy hands. Once again, Lima's ground game is probably the X factor. Is If he struggles with the output of MVP, trying to tie him up and get him down, probably his best route to victory. I don't know if I could see him getting such a beautiful knockout again. What I will say is... If MVP is going to be MVP, he's going to have to pull out something special that he doesn't usually. Because I think that he's, Lima is not a guy that he is leaps and bounds ahead of on the feet. Lima just has too much experience. If he's going to set something up, it's not going to be as flashy. It's probably going to have to be more technical. Uh, What are your thoughts?
1: Well, look, Michael Van Page has an amazing highlight reel. When He gets in the cage, you're excited because you know he's going to have that style, that bravado, just you know, the swagger, stand there with his hands down, and in that you know, unorthodox fighting style for MMA. And that all looks great, and that all is very successful against opponents who are not as good as him, obviously, and who um, don't have the pedigree that someone like Douglas Leland has. So, when they fought the first time, I wasn't fully aware of of the shortfalls that MVP had until he fought Douglas Lima, And I was like, Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> he's, he's got these really flashy um, techniques and abilities, but like in a long distance MMA fight, he's kind of uh, not quite there. And so even though you, you mentioned Douglas Lima, maybe not being at the same level as he was a year or two ago, I still think he has a major advantage. He's just way more well-rounded. He's just a bigger, better fighter. And I think it's going to go similarly to how uh, the first fight went. So Lima is going to find that opening and he's going to be able to to beat MVP again. Like MVP, his tricks aren't going to work on on Douglas Lima. They didn't work the first time. They're not going to work again the second time.
0: All right, so I'm assuming Douglas Lima, how do you see him getting it done?
1: I think he's going to do a knock, oh, sorry, TKO round three, I believe. Yeah, two, round two.
0: Round two? Yeah. I I will say this, if MVP is going to be a guy that we talk, look, he's fantastic television. I love watching him strike with guys. I honestly do. I think if he's going to be that guy that we talk about saying, hey, could he make a run? Could he be the... Adesanya of Bellator's welterweight division for example he's gonna have to show us something that he just hasn't yet We know that you can strike with people who are not on your level, but I'm gonna just need to see something new I'm gonna need to see just a whole different approach that'll work because if you start taking out guys like Douglas Lima Then we have that conversation. I know it's set up for him for this triumphant return and I will say I think that's gonna be the difference maker I don't know if Douglas Lima has the offensive wrestling, and I don't think that MVP is going to come at him. I think it's actually going to play out a little similar to the Paul Daly fight where Daly was trying to wrestle and just really didn't have it there to get uh, MVP down. I think that's what MVP is going to look to do. I think he's just going to try to be patient, keep his distance, and um, I think that it really comes down to the fact that because Lima is a little bit more plodding, that could work against him. I think it's just going to be the output and the volume that might work for MVP this time around. Um, It may not be exciting. I know people want to show. I just don't think it'll be. I think it'll just be a 15-minute, you know, he's just going to have one of those nights. But I actually see MVP getting the job done. I think that stylistically with the adjustments, I think he's had a lot of time to learn and actually reset to get get the w i don't know if he'll get the knockout but i think he'll do enough to get the win over douglas Lima at home
1: all right
0: so that's
1: that's exciting because it'll be something flashy you think or
0: no i think that it's gonna be a slow he's gonna he's gonna be worried about that power coming back at him because it's like no we're not going through that again you know what i mean I think it's going to be a slow, boring fight. He's going to get in and out. He's going to stay on the outside. He's going to wait until he really has it. But uh, he's not going to hang out in there and try to bang with Lima. He knew, He remembers what happened. He do, he knows that, that, if anything, that's how you let Lima get back in that fight. So, right. And then Lima, chop away with some kicks. Try to mix it up a little bit like Volkanovski. And this probably becomes a very easy fight. But it all depends on him getting he's got to step on the gas a little more than we've seen him lately okay all right let's talk about ufc to round it out as we get to the end of the show uh we got two bangers tiago santos johnny walker i think for me the biggest thing is how is tiago feeling physically because and look you go through the injuries he did it's obviously very tough we saw him come back last year and Obviously, at had that very, very slow fight against Alexander Rockage too, in about, I want to say they fought in March, or it might have been July, but um, the fact is, uh, no, it would have been March, sorry, it's been a long weekend, but the fact is, I think that a uh, healthy Santos still poses a lot of big problems to a guy like Johnny Walker. However, if his mobility, if his explosiveness, if his knees and his just, Ability to explode and get in and out is compromised. This becomes a more winnable fight because of Johnny's height and reach. They've been matched up because people know that most likely someone's going to go down because they're both known for throwing heavy leather and really just letting the hands go with some power shots. So I expect fireworks. I think what it comes down to is can tiago hang get into that close range with johnny because if he hangs out on the outside i actually think johnny walker he's been putting in work that i think he'll get the job done
1: okay uh you know actually yeah johnny Walker's an interesting one to me remember how excited everyone was when he had like i can't remember who he beat but it was like a couple of crazy knockouts and then he did that
0: silly the worm
1: celebration worm and busted his shoulder and he has to me hasn't been the same and maybe it's just you know he's either he really hurt his shoulder and it's not the same or he's just like really cautious and doesn't want to make a fool of himself okay one or the other but I think Tiago Santos has has an advantage here you know this is gonna sound kooky but he's 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 um, gonna have a baby right a baby girl with Ana Kunitskaya, and I'm sure he's very excited about that. A little motivation there. I think that he still has enough power to hurt Johnny Walker. I think Johnny Walker is going to try to be a little bit of a clown, and it's going to blow up in his face. So I'm, I'm looking at Tiago Santos being able to get close enough to, to use his power. He might have to eat a couple of shots, fine. But I think he still has a good enough chin to do it. He's going to catch Johnny. I think it's going to be a round three KO. For Tiago? Yes, said? for Tiago. Okay, yes, make sure. yes
0: just like Wait, make sure you hearing that right. Uh, you know what? Oy. I'm not going to lie. I feel like we're going to see one of those just 10-minute bangers. I, I I think every time I've thought about it, I do feel like Johnny knows what he's got to do. And I think that he knows that, like, hey, just keep this one at a distance and... Just keep moving. And I think that he knows he's got the athleticism and explosiveness to take out Tiago. I think that he, he knows what to do. I think Tiago he works so well with a lot of guys. But I actually feel like Johnny is one of those few guys who stylistically and physically, he just doesn't match up well with. I think that, that the length and the speed and the power and the sheer explosiveness, I think that he struggles with that. I actually think you need a guy similar to Rakic similar to a couple of the wrestlers. Those are the guys that really give Johnny Walker problems. But I think that because Tiago Santos, he kind of just rolls forward slowly like a tank. I actually think that's going to work against him if we could get some good lateral movement from Johnny Walker, which I predict we will. So I am actually going with the dancing Brazilian. (laughs) I'm going to say they're going to just beat the bricks off each other and then Johnny's going to catch him in the second round. KO flying knee something like that for the win oh
1: okay some some classic Johnny Walker I like it
0: yeah I think that that's uh, I love Santos he could easily just walk him down and bang but I feel like Johnny knows that's like the one thing don't just let him do that so there we go all right so we're split someone gets some nice bragging rights next week (laughs) And then, obviously, ne- next week coming up, it's just a single fight night. We've got Mackenzie Dern taking on Marina Rodriguez. What I will say, what I like about this, obviously, would be considered probably Mackenzie Dern's coming out party. I think that if she wins, I think she's officially graduated from prospect to legit contender. And we'd be talking about, you know, maybe if Jessica Andrade comes back down to straw weight, We'll talk about maybe... Carla Esparza, even though I think that would be a tough one for Carla to swallow to have to take another fight. Um, but I do think that that's right there. And then for Marina, too, I think she's been trying to get that signature victory. Amanda Hibas was good. Michelle Watterson was nice. But now, you know, this isn't short notice. This isn't, you know, XYZ. This is proven person who's been on a roll. You take them out, you call out someone big you're probably in a title eliminator next. So, high stakes in the strawweight division in this one. You Know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially, I think especially for Mackenzie Dern. Like they're both they're both strong brands coming up, but Mackenzie Dern's the bigger name. You know, she's just got more appeal and so it's definitely more for her to have um a breakout like surge in the championship direction if she has a good win here.
0: Yep. I completely agree. And, of course, that's our show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Enjoy your pumpkin spice lattes. Remember to walk out and take every day with a smile as best as you can. We'll be back next week.